אס בגובה, אס בגובה, לא יד לשלם איתה, זה פודקאסט. אס בגובה, פרק 39, מה קורה אלקנה? אהלן אייל, ואהלן אייל, גם פלק איתנו. אהלן, אהלן. אז זה מצחיק, בדרך כלל אנחנו מקליטים את הפתיח עם האורח ובלייב, אבל למעשה אנחנו, אנחנו מקליטים את הפתיח עכשיו אחרי שסיימנו את השיחה עם האורח. היה מדהים, אנחנו אירחנו את נורמן צ'ד, השדרן של ESPN, אושיית פוקר מהמפורסמות בעולם. אין, מי שרואה פוקר לא מכיר את ה... לא, לא יכול שלא לדעת מי זה ולזהות הקול שלו, להכיר את הפרצוף שלו, ותכלס היה כיף. היה אדיר. היה אדיר, הוא מצחיק ברמות. כן, הוא הסתלבט על אלקנה כמה וכמה פעמים, שזה תענוג עבורנו. ספוילר, האנגלית שלי לא טובה. והוא הבטיח לפלק יש הבטחה שתכניס אותו לכסף במיין איבנט בפעם הבאה. הרבה כסף זה היה שווה לי לבוא לפה. לגמרי, לגמרי. אז אני רוצה, לפני שאנחנו נאזין לשיחה, להגיד שני דברים. תודה לאור המלך מאולפני פרוקאסט, פודקאסטים בגבוה. בגבוה, שבא בשעה שהאולפן בדרך כלל סגור, ובגלל שאנחנו דיברנו עם נורמן צ'ד והוא גר בלוס אנג'לס, וזה עשר שעות... נורמן פאקינג צ'ד, אני מבקש. נורמן פאקינג צ'ד. עשר שעות הפרש, אז כדי להקליט אותו ב-11 בבוקר בשעון שלו, אנחנו צריכים להיות פה בתשע בערב, אז תודה לאור. ותודה לספונסרים שלנו, רן ארנר. תודה לאור שתפעל, אגב, את כל הדבר הזה, שזה לא היה פשוט. כן, שלושה מיקרופונים, מצלמות, שיחת סקייפ, נופלת באמצע, ותודה לספונסרים שלנו, ראנר ראנר, שנגעגעים אליכם. בהחלט, שמתישהו יחזור על הלייב פוקר בארץ ונוכל לשחק בפילד פצוע כמונו. סבבה, אז בואו נאזין מיד לשיחה שהקלטנו. So, אלקנה, can you please introduce our guest this time? Well, our guest today has been a part of poker for the last two decades. His hand-on mode page shows... $86,000 in lifetime earning, but we're not here to talk about his poker playing career. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Asvagova, one of the most popular and respected commentators in the poker world, half of the leading duo in the poker media and a hilarious human being, Mr. Norman Chad. Hello, Norman. Bye. You, you, missed, you misled me. I thought we were here to talk about my poker career. <laughs> <laughs> I played really well. Starts off with a bang. Yeah. <laughs> so how are you these days? Well, like everybody else, I've been mostly uh, inside my home because of COVID. And actually, I uh, had the COVID virus last August, and I still have after effects that will not go away. But otherwise, everything is oh. fine. Okay. So uh, as we long as you you're... Uh, yeah, I wish you well. And, and as long as you're healthy, everybody wins. Uh, physically healthy, yes. Uh, according to my family, mentally healthy, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, That's shocking. Yeah. It's not new. <laughs> That's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we invited you to the podcast, and uh, happily you said yes. And we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about poker, obviously. And uh, I want to start with um, 2020 that just ended. Um, it was an exceptional year in everything, including poker. And I want to ask you, do you think this was a good or bad poker year? Uh, it was, in most ways, it was a terrible poker year. Because uh, we lost live poker uh, in most places. And live poker is the heartbeat of poker. Uh, even though at some point, more people are playing. Obviously, they're playing more online in general and will always have online. But here in the U.S., where online poker has been largely not allowed over the past decade, to lose live poker was a very big deal. Uh, however, it did, it, did, it did allow us to pop up a lot of uh, sort of underground online poker games, uh, which was nice for people who were uh, in their homes. And it also was very good for uh, some of the online poker games were, were dealing in poker other than No Limit Hold'em. And I'm a, I'm a big proponent of playing the other games. So it was nice to see that the other games came around, and that was one of the few benefits uh, of COVID poker-wise. Uh, before uh, we, we proceed with the interview, uh, Elkanah's English has become a major uh, issue on, on among the issue. listeners. I want to, like, 
take a second to to address it because we had sure. uh, uh, he, uh, about a year and a half ago we had early in the podcast we had Melanie Weisner uh, in the studio uh, it was a great episode but uh, uh, I couldn't really manage my English around her like we I started for about well, an hour she, and a half she's a girl yeah so. but I want to uh, <laughs> that's the re- that's the thing she is a hot redhead like, <laughs> who, who's playing poker Norman okay. like I like you, but you're not a hot redhead who plays poker. <laughs> so I think we're going to be fine. Okay. Let me just, okay. First of all, two, two things. Uh, one, thanks for the compliment <laughs> or insult that I'm not a hot redhead. Two, I, I, I cannot, I give you sympathy because this is what I know about Americans. All of us expect everyone to speak English around the world, which is ridiculous. And the second thing is that most Americans do not speak a second language at all. So most around the world, people do speak more than one language. So it's uh, my compliments go out to the rest of the world because we're the ones who are behind. We're the ones who are like dinosaurs. We're the donkeys. <laughs> we only speak one tongue, and we think it's stupid that people don't speak our tongue. We are wrong as usual. <laughs> Well as, said. Yeah, well said. And, and, well and as usual, when Norman speaks about a daily uh, usual uh, issue, it sounds like a commentary on ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yes. we spoke about uh, 2020. By the way, guys, feel free to interrupt me when you want to ask something uh, I'm different. I'm not feeling free to do anything on, <laughs> uh, on this conversation. So how can, the, how, how can the events of 2020 impact the future of the game, by your opinion? Well, one thing that I know is going to happen is so we did not have the live World Series of Poker this past summer in Las Vegas, and they replaced it with a, a huge online series. Uh, I think it was 80 events, 80 plus events in the future. Even when we have a normal World Series of Poker in the summer, if that we hopefully will have year after year, the online presence is going to be very, very big. Uh, in the, up, up until last year, they had just a handful of online events during the World Series. I would expect online World Series bracelet events to be in the dozens every year now, and maybe not during the summer in the World Series. Maybe there'll be a separate online series before or after. And that makes it certainly more accessible to everyone around the world. Uh, one of the problems is, obviously, is the World Series in, is in Las Vegas, and it's tough to get there from around the world. There is World Series Europe once in a while. There's World Series uh, Southeast Asia. But online poker, and I prefer live poker, but online poker allows anyone to play from anywhere in the world where it's allowed, and it's allowed in most of the world outside of the United <laughs> States right now. Yeah. You want to ask something? No. I'm okay. I, I, I I'm can. Good. Like, I, yeah, I, I have a set of questions ready, and I wrote it in English, so I won't like lip sync and stuff. Like, <laughs> so even if I had questions, I don't want to, interu- to interrupt him. Like, he's talking, and I want to listen. And <laughs> this, is like, like, yeah. this is basically what he do. <laughs> What he, what he does. I totally agree. And, we are, and uh, with all due respect to us, we are not Lon McCarran. No, we are not. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I don't let Lon interrupt me. Uh, <laughs> what you can do. Is what my wife and kids do, which is you just walk out of the room because <laughs> they don't want to interrupt me either, but they just leave the room. That's your other in the middle of a speech. <laughs> yeah, in oh, well, in the middle. I, 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 not even a speech. It's like I get three words out and they, they, they get up from the table to leave. So they just get kind of tired of hearing my, hearing my voice. The, only the dog oh, stays. It's a good strategy for poker. Like when you're playing, you just start to speak. Everyone leave. You get the blinds and ante and you win the tournament and <laughs> try it. That's a good strategy for me because I don't have any skills. So if I can get everybody... That's, that's uh, according to our research, that's not entirely correct that you don't have skills in poker, by the way, if we already started talking about this. Yeah, well, AR was surprised to find out that you, you made, uh, uh, you, you made a, a WSOP final table a couple of years ago. They were more surprised to find out <laughs> that I made us. They were table. planning on you commentating. Uh, yeah. it. I have skills. Honestly, I have no skills in No Limit Hold'em. I never play No Limit Hold'em, and I don't like No Limit Hold'em, which is ironic since that's all we talk about is No Limit Hold'em. But I do play the other games okay, just above average. And so, yeah, I can play the other game, all the other games, and and hold my own. In Hold'em, I'm terrible. 
Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. We don't have uh, like mixed games in Israel almost N- no, at all. Ma- maybe Omaha, but nobody else plays anything which is different no, than no, Omaha. Nobody even knows how to play Omaha. I, I just play, like playing it. I can play <laughs> like five star and seven star, but no one else wants you're, to play with You're me. the only one in Israel that, yeah. can, that knows the rules of those games. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really think for the health of poker in general, to keep the game strong and keep the game growing, it makes sense... To have people get interested in the other games outside of no limit hold them and it gives you other options so when you walk into a card room or casino if if you know you don't feel like playing no limit hold them or all of those tables are taken you can play Omaha you can play stud you can play the other games that are out there and they're fun and I you know one of the things I love about poker is the variety so I like to play in games in which you do have a lot of mixed games uh, so it just changes every 15 minutes or every 30 minutes that's more fun to me and I think if more people were exposed to that they would agree to me they would agree with me sooner or later yeah yeah totally that's a, that's a uh, nice take on, on mixed games yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I want to ask you um, about uh, live poker uh, do you think that playing live poker with masks and glass chambers is sustainable or won't it kill the game well we always make adjustments so you know people I know when people grow up in hot weather areas they go they go to Buffalo they go to Montreal they go to Moscow and they go how do people live here well they put on a jacket, <laughs> you know, jacket simple it is love. It's that simple. They adjust to their environment. Now, to me, I, right now, I'm not going to go out and play live poker where I'm wearing a mask and there's barriers between us and you're not speaking to anybody else. I don't see the point. Uh, you know, I might as well stay home and play online poker, which I don't like. But if that was the tomorrow, if that was the, the, the normal of tomorrow, people would adjust to it. It would not kill off live poker. It might reduce it to some degree, but people w- would adjust to it because people want to play. So like when, when Las Vegas reopens completely for live poker and for everything, whatever time this year or next year, people are going to want to get out and go. They want to be entertained. They want to go eat. They want to go play. So I think that the, the current mask shield situation is not ideal, and it's certainly not what I want to do, and I might not even do it myself. But eventually I might adjust, and I know that other people will make the adjustment. Because they want to play so I want to talk about WSOP because you already mentioned it and uh, it's obviously the biggest uh, it's like the biggest thing you did in in poker I guess um, so I want to start with a fun question if you have to choose what are the top three memorable moments of the WSOP main event history <laughs> the top three top memorable moments the WOP WSOP main, ev- main event is wow. Let's say the televised yeah, one. Main event. Oh, televised yeah. ones? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's hard. just before televised. Uh, let me just say that the, the, the two of the, the, the top moments uh, would have been when uh, Stu Unger won his third title. Uh, and he's the only person to win three World Series main event titles. Uh, Johnny Moss is credited for three. But the very first one was not a real tournament. It was just a bunch of guys sitting around <laughs> playing poker. And they, then they voted on who was the best player at the end. I could have won. You know, <laughs> passed around. So no, no offense to Johnny Moss. But Stu Unger, who uh, you know, had a very tortured, tormented life and was an uh, online poker, uh, was a no-limit hold'em genius, his winning his third title uh, was incredibly impressive. And then the back-to-back titles by Johnny Chan, uh, the second title would be another top moment in 1987 and 88, even though, again, those are, he's playing against less than 200 players each, and now we're playing against five or 10,000 players. So before the poker boom, those are the two biggest main event uh, moments to me. And then before the poker boom, again, uh, you had an amateur that nobody remembers who was the first amateur ever to win, a guy named Hal Fowler, who went away. And then Robert Varconi, the year before Moneymaker, was another big story when he was an amateur uh, from Brooklyn, New York, who won the main event. And he actually set off a mini boom the next year when Moneymaker came in. And then we get into the Moneymaker years. And of course, in, in that time, my, my favorite memory is the first year where I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Now I have some idea, but not 
everything I should know. <laughs> but I knew very little. I knew nothing about tournament poker. But going to Binion's that year and watching what happened and then watching Moneymaker at the final table do what he did. And I didn't think there was going to be a boom. But that was that's always a memory for me because of what happened in retrospect, because the boom that happened doing those shows then always hold, you know, quite a special place in my heart because that's that helped set off the poker boom. And Chris Moneymaker has been part of the poker boom for the past 17 or 18 years. And he's been tremendous. So that's that's the top, that's probably my top moment. And it's the first year we I did it with Lon McCarron. And we had that great that great heads up with Sam Farhop. And I remember that I didn't know there was going to be a poker boom. And I was always, I was stupid at that time and thought it would be bad for poker if some amateur won the, the world championship against all these pros. So I was actually rooting for Sam Farhawk when we were watching. That's how dumb I was. I still am dumb, but that's a dumb thing I was thinking at that time, that Sam Farhawk better win this thing or it's embarrassing for us. Who's this? He's an he's a, a, accountant. He's a 27-year-old accountant from Tennessee. He can't win this thing. And I was wrong. <laughs> I think that, uh, I mean, I, wa- I wasn't watching poker back then, but I guess you weren't the only uh, guy who was thinking that it would be bad for the game. But uh, that changed the game for, uh, for good. Turned out to be the best thing that happened. Yeah. Yep. Probably. Yeah, maybe it, maybe it wasn't Moneymaker that made the change. Like, maybe it was you and Lon. Like, you also came in in uh, 2003. And, and since you joined Poker Boom... Uh, what do you know? <laughs> okay, that, no, that's very kind of you, but as I always tell people, me and Lon were just in the what we call the getaway car uh, when there was a crime going on. We were just, in the, we were just passengers. <laughs> we weren't driving it. We were lucky enough to be there in 2003. And uh, actually, people do ask, well, is, there a, is there still a poker boom if Sam Farha wins instead of Moneymaker? And yes, there is, because there were other things in place. The World Poker Tour was starting. Online poker was starting, the whole card cam, so people could see the, 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 the whole cards for the first time. All those things were together. Moneymaker made it a bigger boom, but we still would have had a, a boost in Moneymaker made it a bigger story. Like, the, the, it still was a poker boom, but the thing that, that an amateur wins the whole main event, and it came with, with the, the whole card cameras and the, uh, the online poker, it made it, like, bigger by, like, tens of thousands of, like, yeah. <laughs> no, no. All of them put together yeah. made it for a bigger. It, it, you know, it's like two. In this case, two plus two plus two equaled fifteen because since they all came together, it created yeah, exactly. this bigger. That's boom. what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, uh, he understands you without even without you speaking. <laughs> um. Okay, I want to ask, five years ago, WSOP final table was changed from the November 9 concept to an immediate final table a few days after the event uh, wraps up. Uh, which of the two you think is better for a TV and for poker? I guess I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you. <laughs> well, you know, I know, I don't even, again, here's another thing that I don't even know the answer. Because when they started the November 9, uh, I understood why they were doing it. Uh, I wasn't that fond of it. I did not like a 100-day break uh, between, the, between play. And, and no other game, no other sport does this. You know, they, they don't stop Wimbledon uh, you know, before the final match and say, we'll play it three weeks later. They don't stop it after the second set and say, we'll resume in another week. So from just a simple competition standpoint, I didn't like it. Uh, it did change everything in terms of people then preparing, getting coaches and all that. I didn't like that either. I like just doing the flow of the, the thing and then going to it. The idea at the time, though, was to get some promotion, publicity leading into the November 9th. It'd be all the tape telecasts leading to it, and then people would know the players, and you would do it. And it actually worked pretty well. They had pretty good, pretty good viewership for the November 9th. But in a perfect world, and now we do it live the last two or three years on ESPN, in a perfect world, you just want to play it out, maybe have a one-day break, as they do, or a two-day break, And then play the final table so there's advantages to both you know I also didn't trust uh, from a couple of standpoints the, the 100 day break uh, a lot of things can happen in 100 days you know you could have somebody that's kidnapped and just disappears in 100 days you know anything <laughs> can happen in 100 days. so I, I just like doing it naturally uh, without the big break but it did work for For a while with the break and I think it now will work without the break I'm I'm a bit shocked I was sure it's gonna say exactly the opposite as a TV person uh-huh. uh, yeah yeah see sometimes I don't assume <laughs> I thought I might too yeah yeah I mean I mean but I, you know I changed 
Masters. I was I was on an Iranian podcast this morning and I said the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I texted with Elkanah like this morning about uh, about how I remember everyone in the final table of until 2017, uh, I think. And then when, when it became like there were no episodes for me to, to watch before the final table, I was like, I'm not sure I remember uh, all, the, all the participants of the, no- of the, of the not November 9th, the July 9th. Right. Well, you bring, you bring up a good point. So when we do it live, it is harder because we're, we're, not, we're not able to craft a story and do the taped episodes where you start learning about all these people and you see them a lot. So the live, the live problem is exactly what you're talking about. It's just pretty much nine strangers sitting down at the table. You know nothing about them, and then they're playing live poker. So from, a, from an entertainment standpoint and from getting casual people to watch it for poker, I much preferred the taped broadcasts with or without the November 9, but the taped broadcasts, which let people get to know somebody and they root for them or they root against them. And that's a, I think that's a better product for the viewer. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, so I want to ask about about the 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 live broadcast in 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 past few years like you had something you didn't have in in the early in like early in the decade that you and Lon and Antonio and last year and uh, you brought uh, Jamie Jamie Car sister yeah Jamie. she's great uh, how do, well, again <laughs> I'm gonna try this question again Well, how do you like the, the, the experience of broadcasting live like few, uh, uh, like few days straight, like a week, uh, more than a week even like straight, you just uh, sit in a studio and, and broadcast live? Is it like it's different? It's, uh, it's harder? It's easier? Yeah, it's, 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 it's different, it's harder, and it's easier. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's all three. Uh, yeah, it's a different animal. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm more... I am more uh, prepared when we're doing the tape broadcasts. Uh, you know, I can do more research. I can do more thought on what I want to talk about. Uh, live TV is different, and live TV is, is, is it's grueling, actually, because we, we, we do it for like 12 straight days for several hours a day. It actually does wear you out uh, mentally when you're doing that that often. But it's also, it's, it's almost like there's more action. There's, it's, it's more, uh, what's the word? There's more adrenaline. Because when you're taping a show, it's, it's almost like going to the grocery store. You tape a show and then you go home. When you're on live TV, you kind of get amped up. And so it's a different thing to do. And plus, you, it's a different thing. You know, plus, we, have, we bring in a poker player like Antonio Estefandiari or Jamie Kerstetter, who does more poker analysis. So it's a different dynamic in dealing with two people instead of one. And the one person, when I'm dealing with one person, is just Lon. <laughs> you know, Lon, I got like, puppet string I just tell Lon do this Lon do that <laughs> and so that's so when we're live I can't do that you know the puppet he's three he's two people away from me and the puppet strings don't reach that far so it's a different thing to deal with and uh, I love dealing with Antonio and Jamie because they're both very very good and they both have a great sense of humor yeah but so it's it's a different it's a whole different <laughs> dynamic so both have their advantages and both have their disadvantages yeah okay you want to ask something Falk uh, yeah I wanted to ask about the How you make a specific episode? Like what's the process? Could you describe for us the process of creating a whole WSOP main event episode? Yeah, the process actually is, you know, the easiest part of the process is what Lon and I do. Because what the producers have to do beforehand to prepare each episode, each one hour episode, is pretty difficult. I mean, they're looking at, you know, if you're going like you're a day four of the main event or something, They have, there's a, you know, there's a feature table, and there's a second table, and then there's the whole room. Right. And when they're doing that tape, they're, you know, they got the feature table with the cameras there, and they have crews out there, two or three crews that are covering other hands, and then they've got to go back, and this is why it takes, you know, you, it used to take, in the early days, it used to take them two or three months to go back to produce an episode. Now they do it much quicker, but they got to go back through different footage and talk to different producers who are watching different things and get everybody's notes And then they've got to try to put together the telecast and they got to edit it all down and they got to do interviews and they've got to, it's a big production to get that hour together. And then they just hand it to me and Lon and, you know, they hand Lon, you know, uh, like some Jack Daniels or something and start talking about it. And they say, Norman, don't forget your divorces and don't forget that you're not a good poker player. Go. 
So we, and then we get to look at the thing. You know, we can look at it 10 times before we go on the air. We get to look at the thing a day or two before we go on the air. And then Lon and I broadcast that 48 minutes. But the process before that, where they have to film, produce, and edit all that, is actually quite difficult and quite hard. And it takes a lot of people to do it. And then me and Lon just, just voice the final product. Okay. Yeah. That, Interesting. That, yeah. That, yeah, that, that sounds. Interesting about the, how they do it in the like behind the scenes. Yeah. This, this sounds like a very complex, uh, a, com a complex system, but but it works. It works after yeah, all. Yeah. We got all the the seasons of WSOP that we have to pay to Pokago to watch. Uh, it's great. <laughs> 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 That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be free. Now you have to pay Pokago to watch it. Yeah. So but it's only $10 a month. I mean, you, you, you pay for, uh, with King Jack Offsuit, more money to see a flop with this, uh, <laughs> Not this me. cost. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Or with Tell Ace, Queen, or Jax. That's, good, that's yeah. a good way to, to, to look at it. Yeah. But this is always when I tell somebody, if you, wanna, you, you don't want to pay for a poker go, just one time don't pay King Jack Offsuit out of position, and there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the way, you just reminded me of something my wife, my, uh, my current wife, Uh, and my last wife, where we're, we're, we'll be together. Uh, we have an argument sometimes because sometimes we're like out shopping or let's say we're at a restaurant and she decides she wants to get, you know, lobster and steak. I go, come on. You're just, you know, that's really expensive. Just get the lobster. And she says, you sit there and you put in another $40 on some bet in which you know you're going to lose the hand <laughs> and you question whether I want to eat lobster or steak. I said, okay. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, Gamblers are different. Gamblers, just, it's just chips. You just put them in, you put them in, you put them in. You, 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 lose, you lose the house, you lose the house. But if we're, out, if we're out in the supermarket or we're eating, we go, yeah, yeah, I don't, you know, don't get that wine. Let's get, the, let's get the $25 wine, not the $35. <laughs> That, that's a good story. Relatable. Um, if anybody else has something to ask about WSOP, I want to ask one last question. Uh, you probably heard this a lot, but you're doing this for almost 20 years. Uh, aren't you fed up? <laughs> <laughs> That's, no, I, I, I don't think everyone's ever put it that way before. <laughs> Because most, we're Israelis, most people we're here, straight yeah. into the point. Yeah, we're Israelis. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. Yeah, that is straight into the point. Uh, here's the thing. It was when things are new, they're more enjoyable in general. And from a creative standpoint, you see things fresh for the first time, and then you figure out how to do it, and you get better at it. And then there's a diminishing return creatively. Like it kind of goes up, it kind of steadies there, and then it starts to go down. I have been on the downward spiral on this for quite a while because I've seen it, I've seen it so many times. I try to do different things with it, but it's, ready, it's, it's actually at least five years ago, I should have been doing something else creatively. And for the viewer, even though I try to keep it as good as I can, my better work would have been five years ago and 10 years ago. You just see it so often. And then in the poker world, and I will use the word fed up now, you can get fed up, and I'm in the poker world only half the time. If I was in there 24-7, I would have, you know, I would have, I would have moved to Mars by now <laughs> because the poker world is weird. And the poker world is very insulated, and all they care about is poker, and it's just a different type of world. I grew up, actually, we had dogs when we grew up, and we went to dog shows. And I, I went to 100 or 150 dog shows when I was growing up. And they, they struck me as weird. People at the dog shows, all they care about is the dog show. And, and nothing else outside matters. And if their dog poops in that ring, you know, that dog is done for the day. I mean, if, they, if you poop in the ring, you have pooped on the whole dog show. So all they care about is the dog show. And the closest thing I've ever found to that are poker players. You know, I have been in the bathroom at the World Series of Poker, in the, in the bathroom that serves the Amazon room. It's about 12 urinals. I'm in front of the urinal. The guy next to me recognizes me and goes, you can't believe what just happened to me. I had King <laughs> Are you nuts? I mean, are you kidding me? Because I hear bad beat stories all the right. time. But can we not just pee right now, wash our hands, and go outside and talk? That has happened to me 10 or 15 times. It happens to me at least once a year, every year at the World Series, where somebody sees me at a urinal and starts telling me what happened in a hand. So if you're in the poker world 24-7, you will get fed up. <laughs> That, this is like the, totally the, the headline of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> the, pee, the pee scenario. The urinal story, yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that was awesome. 
Um, Norman Chad talk about uh, he, he he's talk about himself peeing. That that's a good good story. But you know why why <laughs> why he could get into the because they say that I've never been playing the WSOP, but they say that uh, on the break they have this huge line. There's a and huge he's not the line. One, he's the only one not playing, so he can like ah I don't care that the break is over. I can go go around there and pee. There are huge <laughs> lines. You go before the break. You go out to. Yeah, you, you learn to go like right. two minutes before the break and then you have a line. And, and actually, when I play, I do the same thing. Because when you get older, you know, you, you've got to urinate a little more often and you don't want to stand in a line. Of th- By the way, standing in a line then with these people? <laughs> no way. Even worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, yeah, you're a stationary target. <laughs> just everyone's... They just come at you. There is a famous story. I have to... When I have a poker story, I kind of break the, the conversation in the middle, just stop. I'm going gonna, gonna to tell a poker story about <laughs> your friend Antonio Esfandiari. He, he got uh, banished from a tournament. He got uh, pen- penalized because he peed in a battle. Really? Yeah. Did you really? know that, Norman? Uh, he, was te- he, was tr- he had made a yeah, bet. Yeah, he, he couldn't walk. <laughs> he essentially couldn't walk. I forgot the term that they used, but for like 24 straight hours or 48 hours, uh, he was not able to walk. He had to do something else. So he was in a tournament, and he brought... Yeah, like a, either a, a coffee cup or a bottle, a water bottle. And so he decided to urinate in the bottle underneath. He did get, I mean, this was bad judgment on his part. I told him, I remember I texted him afterwards, what were you thinking? <laughs> so they had, to, they had a ruling on it, and he was, he was you know, he was thrown out of the tournament. You know, I forgot what the exact rule is on that. But whatever the general rule is, I think it does involve not urinating <laughs> or crapping <laughs> in the general. It's like the dog show. But he got a <laughs> He had a big bet. You know, he had like it was a, it was just five thousand dollars. He would have done the same thing. He had a bigger bet going for after how much yeah. money. And I so to uh, say, he ended up winning the bet, but he got thrown yeah, out. I of wanted term. to say that I hope that but the money was worth it. The the bet was with uh, Bill Perkins. So okay, the, yeah, the money was, was with Bill yeah. Perkins. So it was so probably so worth it. Yeah. Uh, good point, El Canal. Yeah, it was with Bill Perkins. So <laughs> <Yeah. it's wrong. laughs> okay, I want to ask about uh, live poker because um, you, I think that you are one of the biggest voices claiming that uh, live poker is probably less fun than it used to be. Um, what changes do you think the game must take in order to be more to be to it to be more enjoyable and watchable? Okay, those are, and those are linked to each other, but let's just start with the enjoyable thing first. And this is where I just think poker players you know, have blinders on. Uh, it's a business. People are going out to enjoy themselves. You know, it, it's different than other sports where you're just playing somebody in tennis uh, or you're playing somebody in chess uh, or something, or you're golfing. They're there to golf, tennis, play chess. Poker has a social environment. So if you are a winning poker, if you're playing poker for a living, you make your living off people coming into the card room and losing their money to you. It's that simple. You know, you, you, you hate to think about it in those simple terms, but you can't win unless people are walking in to lose. So when they come in to lose, why would you treat them like crap? Why would you ignore them? Why would you insult them? Why would you not talk to them? Why would you blow smoke in their face? It makes no sense. You know, if I walked into a bakery to buy a bagel or a muffin and there were 12 guys in there with Harley Davidson jackets and chains and smoking cigarettes and looking to me, looking at me like I was, ooh, uh, I'm not going to get a bagel in there. I'm going to walk out. I mean, I just want to get a bagel. I want to smell the bagel. I want to smell the muffin. So when you walk into a poker room and you're a recreational player like myself, you want to have a good time. You don't want to be intimidated. You don't want to be treated poorly. So that's to make it more enjoyable. You have to be more welcoming to the other players. You have to look to your left. You got to look to your right and go, hey, that's a person. That's a person. I should talk to them. <laughs> Rather than coming in with your hoodie, your sunglasses, your headset, and you're playing your GTO. <laughs> who wants to come back to that? And then on your second half of your question, who wants to watch eight guys sitting around with headsets, shades, and hoodie playing perfect poker and not talking to each other? It's kind of ones. I don't care how good the poker is. I don't care if they make some world-class level, you know, Justin Bonomo play where they ne- they love the other person because he thought this, I thought this, he thought this, I thought this, and he remembers his hand from 44 years ago at, at Guantanamo Bay, <laughs> and that's why he shut Jack Deuce. I'm trying to watch. I'm trying to watch people play poker and enjoy themselves and talk and have conflict. So, again, from a business standpoint and an entertainment standpoint, they're wrong just to come in and say, "I don't care about that. I'm just going to play poker and I'm going to try to win $100,000 today." If they want the game to grow, they have to think about this other stuff. 
I totally agree. Yeah, yeah I agree about the, like, the first half. Yeah, I agree. If, if you want the, the, the fish uh, to, to come and play, you need to treat them like, like you, you don't have to be disrespectful. But uh, like for, yeah, there can be an argument for uh, a super high roller for uh, $100,000 uh, tournament that, that is televised. But the, the pros coming, they put, in, they put in their own money. They're playing for millions of dollars. They're going to play how they like. They're, I mean, you can't uh, force them. I understand. You can't force them to, to, to talk to each other and to, to be nice Correct. And for, for the entertainment. It's not entertaining. It's money. It's a lot of money. I agree with you. So I, it, it, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Uh, and a surprising good point coming from you. Because <laughs> first you had to think of it, and then you had to say it. Thank you. So I think you did a good job. And you're absolutely correct. When they're playing, again, $100,000... high roller $250,000 high roller they're just going to come in and they're, they're doing their job they're coming in to play poker I think the smart ones are aware of the other thing I'm talking about right. but let me tell you one other thing you know like to me like the hidden part of some of those high rollers uh, they a lot of them have pieces of each other yes okay a lot of them are, are you know they all have you know I got 10% of you I got 10% of you they're all playing with their own money you know I, I swear at the end of the day you It's good for them to get the exposure because that helps their their branding that helps maybe sponsorships down the road and they just kind of all pass the money back and forth with each other and they're they got pieces of each other a lot of the time which I'm not terribly happy with when that's the case because that's a different competition then so I don't defend them as much then because of what I just said and again to grow the game you got to be it's nice if you're a little more aware than how big your chip stack is and how good a poker you play. Okay. Uh, yeah. And That's by it. the way, the, the, the part of my English, you, you should take that as a compliment because I said that because you're not Melanie Whitening, I would not stutter, but you, I, I am stuttering, so... I can give Elkanah your number, I have it. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me if you ever come to Israel. Yeah. <laughs> uh. That, that, that was worth it all, all those two minutes where he mocked you that was worth it yep. <laughs> you can mock me whatever whenever you want um, okay you know what um, let's talk about uh, online poker TV broadcasts because um, we've since corona has entered our life sadly uh, there's been a growth in uh, streaming and uh, and broadcasting of online uh, poker games so you Do you think that this can be fun and entertaining for the mass market poker fans or is just it's it can't pass I can't see it being entertaining for mass market casual people now there, there's two different things we're talking about here so we've had some some really talented uh, twitch live streamers the last couple of years who even though they're playing online poker and online is kind of boring to watch they're a personality they're talking they're talking you through the hands they're talking about other stuff. So you've got a, a really talented group of people who have ended up doing this and, and, and have gotten really good at it. And I, I give Jason Somerville credit for being like the original guy who saw this 10 years ago or whatever. He's the original streamer. Yeah. And, and now you have, you know, you have Lex, uh, Lex doing it, yeah. Lex and, and Jamie Staples and all these other people who do it you know, are pretty entertaining right. to watch. So there's some... There's some growth there, but I still think you're talking about a fairly small audience. And then when you're talking about broadcasting an online thing, like right now they're broadcasting the uh, live streaming, the, the Daniel Negreanu. Yeah, we're going to get to that. With two... Yeah, okay. So that, to me, I, you know, I, I follow poker and I try to watch that. I can't watch that for more than five minutes. Uh, you know, like I couldn't watch if you put up, you know, Wall Street stocks going up and down. I don't, I don't, get sto- I don't buy stocks. I'm not going to watch that on a screen. Uh, even if the entertainment even if the announcing is fairly entertaining I can't watch that for too long so if you look at their audiences which are pretty big by online standards but you're talking about you know worldwide you know a few thousand people watching it worldwide you know if a few thousand people were watching something on ESPN that thing would be on ESPN no more so it's it's a very it's a relatively small audience and it's a large audience by online standards and So uh, and they do three live streams a day on those on that that those matches three different separate people are live streaming it which is shocking to me but they all get an audience and they all get a, a built-in audience whoever's rooting for one guy or the other guy but as far as widespread mainstream I don't see it happening 
you think that that it, there is some way that it can happen like if they change something something that they, they could do they could do to make it watchable like more watchable yeah yes they could do some stuff for instance we could we could have if they were chatting with even if they were just chatting with each other in a chat right. box that alone would make it more you know more personable you'd see them going back and forth with each other if they were doing this online thing while they had zoom on each of them to make it know, more so like just, live poker then you see the personalities you know i'm playing online poker during the uh which i was not going to do i'm playing online poker during the covid in a game in which we're all zoomed so it's almost like a home game we have eight or ten people on the tv you know on our laptop there it's like a home game otherwise i wouldn't sit there just clicking buttons i might watch daniel against doug if they were if i could see them Or I could see them talking, hear them talking, or see them chatting. So that alone right there, I think, is a mistake on their part. In terms of marketing it, they would have a much bigger audience and make it uh, have people engaged it for a longer period of time if you could see the two people playing. Yeah. I think it would just go beep, beep, beep if they were <laughs> <laughs> if they had Zoom on each other. Uh, that's true. That's I mean, that's part of this. This is the grudge. This is the what is this called? The uh the feud, yeah. yeah the the feud. high stakes well, why feud. Don't you wanna, why don't you play up? by having to go back and forth with each other because they really don't like each other. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I wanted to... I, actually, you spoke about Negrano versus uh, Polk. This was like why, my uh, next... Uh, It's an excellent question. I have a slide on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but do you think... Okay, no, you know what? Forget about this question. Um, I want to ask if... about this question you haven't asked no i want i wanted to ask if <laughs> you're, you're right i wanted to ask if the negrano versus polk do you think it's good content or it's just bad ego competition it's a little of both uh they they have both massive egos it's you know it's interesting for poker particularly during covid to promote the game to have this very high profile high stakes duel between the two you know one or the other could have could have end up losing a million two million dollars during this thing so it's it's it keeps poker in the news at least for poker people uh i don't think it's been high quality content like i said it's just it's 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 two online tables heads up being shown up how how often how you know i have trouble watching heads up poker for a long long time anyway uh so this is it's just hard for a casual person to watch those screens so i don't think it's been high level content So it's, it's a little of both, as, as, as you mentioned. Uh, it's, it's not really the, the best content, but uh, it's two egos clashing, so that kind of makes it interesting. Um, okay, okay. That's, that's, uh, I don't think we need to elaborate more on Negrano versus Polk. Um, okay, our, if you don't know, Israelis, they are very provincials. They like, uh, when they, they like when famous people from around the world talk about, uh, talk about Israel. So first of all, before we sure. started the conversation, you mentioned that you have a stepson here that plays basketball in Israel, right? Yes, my stepson, Isaiah Eisendorf, who uh, played Division II basketball, college basketball uh, in America and graduated from uh, a small school in Syracuse, New York called uh, Lemoyne. Uh, got a contract to play in Israel in his first year. He was with the Haifa Hapoel uh, second division. And then he got transferred to uh, the Tel Aviv Hapoel uh, and got a, got a bigger salary boost when he got, went to uh, them last year. And he's in the last year of his contract right so now. So give us some, some, I believe they call joke about uh, Tel Aviv Hapoel. Don't you have one, one like you can use right away? <laughs> he didn't understand me. No, no. Joke. Uh, I thought you wanted jokes about how bad Haifa, <laughs> about how bad no, uh, but, Tel Aviv Hapoel is as a franchise. As no, a uh, in, your, in the TV shows, in the, in the WSOP TV shows, you always speak about, like, when, when you talk about a player and he came from uh, uh, this college and this <laughs> university, you talk, I believe they call the, the crying ducks or something like that. You have always yeah, this punchline. The demon peak. Yeah. Yes. I don't even, <laughs> I believe they're called, so, you know, I don't even, by the way, it's so hard to follow him. My wife and I try to watch games. It's, it's a different world. It's like we can't even watch the games online. We could watch his, his Division II college games for free with an online stream. Every single one, we have been able to watch like one or two of Isaiah's games since he's go over there. And it's hard to find an article afterwards online to find statistics. And then we call him up. How, you know, how's the game? Uh, we lost. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, give us some more details. 
No, I didn't play much. Oh, that's good. So we can't even get information about it over there. And it's Israel's really high tech. They're higher tech than the United States. So I'm, I'm kind of confused. So I can't be doing the Raging Cajuns, the Demon Deacons, <laughs> and, and all that because I can't even get access to even looking at these yeah, games. Yeah, that's for uh, mainly two reasons. One, Israeli basketball, except for Maccabi Tel Aviv, is uh, not that good. And second of all, uh, nobody watches basketball here. <laughs> it's like there is soccer, like there's a huge mass, mass crowd for soccer and basketball, especially a team like Apoel. And I'm insulting Orna, our producer, who is a... Who is uh, an ultras Apoel fan? He's like the biggest fan of Apoel Tel Aviv. In soccer or basketball? I think both. Yeah. Both. Yeah, I said both. Well, <laughs> I don't know about soccer, but that's a lot of losing if it's basketball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you uh, before we go to our uh, listeners' questions. Um, Do you have any particular uh, Israeli poker player that you fond, that you follow? Or, uh, because you had some in the WSOP main event. Uh, we have some big names in the, in the poker industry. Yeah, actually, so the, the guy I deal with the most who has not been in Israel, not been uh, in Israel, I mean, he's been in America now for a long time, is Eli, Eli Alezra. Uh, who is, I've, I've gotten to play with him a lot for some reason. When I've played the very few World Series of Poker tournaments that I get to play every year, I have been at his table you know, several times, and he's delightful to play with. Uh, he's got a great personality. He plays at the highest stakes in Las Vegas for a number of years, uh, which is hard to do. He obviously, he's been in Las Vegas as a businessman for a long time. He's friends with Doyle Brunson and Barry Greenstein and all the other high-stakes players here. So Ellie is the one I know best uh, and who I deal with. And uh, then I read his biography, which was translated into English by Robbie uh, Stravinsky, who uh, lives in another, actually is American, who lives in Israel now, and does a lot of poker media stuff over there. And, uh, and then, of course, we had, um, you'll recall his name, we had the guy who took so long to act uh, about three or four years ago uh, on his hands, who made a deep, deep run in the World Series main event. Well, uh, Berkovici? Harry Berkovici? No. So, no. Ah, Ofer uh, Tzvi Stern. Yeah, Thank he finished yeah. Uh, fifth in the WSOP 2015, 15. I guess. The Joe McKeon boring final table. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was, that, was, yeah, that was a boring final <laughs> table. And, and Joe had all the chips and he didn't lose any hands. And, yeah, there wasn't a lot of table talk. But, yeah, so he, he, uh, that year he was uh, – your guy was infamous for just taking too long, just way too long to act on hands. And, and we've had other people like that. But that's, that's a negative Israeli memory. But in general – And I have we have I have relatives uh, who live who live in Israel and people like uh, other people here, uh, uh, some Jewish friends of mine who always follow the Israeli players and call me up and say, can you go find out where this guy's from? And yeah, they're very proud uh, about if, if an Israeli player makes it deep into the main event. Okay. Yeah, we, we like the, we like our Israeli players. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, I was planning on making it deep in the, <laughs> the, main, the main event. But then COVID came, so... Uh, <laughs> oh, see, so, another thing you can just blame on COVID, that you were actually going to yeah. be the sixth year. I was, was going to win the main event, but no. Okay. But COVID, yeah. <laughs> but Cut COVID. this out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have some questions from our uh, listeners. We posted a Facebook post, and we asked them to ask questions, and we picked up the best Of course, there were many about your memorial hand, which we know is ace-queen suited, right? Well, my, okay, my hand is ace-queen, and then the Lon, no, the Lon McCarran memorial hand is pocket jacks. It's the one he can't play, and I don't play ace-queen. Yeah, um, yeah. And the ace-queen just happened because I read Doral Brunson in, I think it was in Super System, uh, and that's, he wrote that 30 years ago. He said he never plays ace-queen anymore, which is a lie, it's, it's a lie but his <laughs> point was you don't play ace-queen because there's a thousand ways... You can lose with it. So I told that anecdote probably 15 years ago, and I just adopted ace-queen, so I'm not going to pay. If Doyle's not playing ace-queen, I'm not playing ace-queen. <laughs> and somewhere along the way, Lon adopted uh, pocket jacks that he wasn't going to play or that are impossible to win with, and I ended up naming that the Lon McCarran Memorial. <laughs> yeah. uh, which he liked. It was more because you know, memorial means you're dead. So I thought that'd give him a hint. So just go ahead and go off, <laughs> and then that's what memorial is. But uh, he just took it as a joke, Lon McCarran Memorial Hand, so we keep calling it that. Yeah, no, we, we understood that it was supposed to be about uh, death. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Elkanah uh, will read uh, the questions and, of course, also uh, tell the name of the yeah. listener that so, asked. So uh, Tom Shaham, Shaham. Shaham, Shaham. Yeah, you know him? Yeah, I yeah, don't know we him. know him. Jabote. 
יאיי,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה,איזה
where 30% that gets starburst and only 15% of the field is cashing. So, so that is a I'm going to double my chances. I think maybe yeah, you have exactly. an arrangement yeah. with the dealers. They see the lucky Starbest and they like deal the good cards. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, the, the, the conspiracy is on. <laughs> uh, Live poker is rigged. The, the dealers, that's a really tough job. Live poker is not rigged. Uh, just the best players tend to win. Uh, the, uh, the dealers, that's a really tough job. And I, ended, I try to give them actually as much candy as I can while I'm walking around because they, that's just a really tough job dealing. Dealing poker, right. yeah. dealing with the World Series, it's yeah. long days. So I, I give them a lot of credit. And it's not only dealing poker; you also have to deal with the poker players. That's the worst part of it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, it's like uh, Jared Blesnick said in the 2016 that he likes poker; he doesn't like the other players. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's really well put by Jared. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's 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 like Socrates of our time. So I want to read this next question. It's by a dear friend, Uri Elberg. Uh, and he said, what's the story with you and Phil Ivey? Why is he dead to you? Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> that's a long story. I'll try to make it as short as possible. So the very first year we did it, we were obviously we're taping it after it all finishes. So I wanted to make a prediction starting at the beginning of our broadcasts of who I thought was going to win. So I actually put two names on. In an envelope and like mailed it to myself or something so people could see the postmark that you know I said this person's gonna win and they you know they end up doing well but I put two names that first year and I didn't know that much about poker but I did research I put TJ Cloutier who was an older player won many bracelets has been runner-up at the World Series main event twice and I put Phil Ivy who was a young gun who I liked because he played all the games he preferred playing cash to tournament you know he preferred playing he's a stud player and And he had won like three bracelets a year before. And he was very young at that time. This is what, uh, 18 years ago. So he was, you know, he was still not even 30 years old yet at that time. So I put their names in. And then Ivy ended up finishing 10th. He was the guy who Moneymaker knocked out with a big hand yeah. uh, just before the final table. He's called 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 the final table. By the way, I can't tell you how upset I was when that happened because, oh, my God, my, Phil Ivy's out. And just what this bum accountant who keeps knocking out all the big players because <laughs> he had knocked out Johnny Chan. He had knocked out Umberto Brannis or had a big hand against Umberto. He kept knocking out these guys. But so Phil Ivey then became my guy. I just picked him as a, as a running joke, sort of. I picked him to win the World Series every single year. And, of course, he hasn't won it. He made another. He made a final table uh, the year that I think Darwin won. 2009, when Joe Cata won. When Joe Cata won? Oh, yeah. Darwin Moon finished second. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he's always my choice. And I love Phil Ivey. I, you know, I talk to him when I can. You know, he doesn't talk to you a whole lot when he's playing, uh, even though he's a really smart guy. He's got a great sense of humor. And then a few years ago, because he does care more about you know, winning money than winning bracelets, he stopped coming to the World Series for a year or two. Okay? Wow. Okay. He once told me on camera when he won a, a bracelet event that we had that we televised, and in the interview afterward, he, he told me that he thought he could win 25 or 30 bracelets, which is an exaggeration, but he's capable. Of winning 15 or 20 it's hard to win bracelets he's got 10 right now he stopped coming to the world series you know what happens when phil ivy stops coming to the world series gentlemen he is dead to me. <laughs> dead to me. that's our money show so that, that's why he became dead to me and i still say he's dead to me even though i root for him even though But he came then, back uh, came back from the dead back. now he's taking poker more serious But, you know, I, again, I don't blame him. He's following the bottom line. So he travels the world. He plays in the big stakes games in Macau or wherever you can find him. And sometimes he loses his shirt. And tournaments bore him. I mean, his tournament style is smart. He's from the kill or be killed style. He tries to accumulate a lot of chips, especially in these mixed games, which are limit. Uh, it's, it's hard to play like a no-limit style in mixed games. But he does, where he just is very aggressive. And he tries to accumulate a big chip stack. Yeah. So he puts himself in the best position. To run run deep or he knocks himself out really quickly and just moves on like it really makes sense from a standpoint you either get a whole lot of chips or you're done after an hour and a half you don't waste a lot of time and he doesn't want to waste time so I, I do understand his strategy and appreciate it but if he's not coming to the World Series of poker he is dead to me. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah that he was supports a... the go big or go home yeah strategy yeah As I was expected, most of the question was uh, were about uh, your catchphrases, your your jokes about divorce and and stuff like that. But two people wanted to know uh, what's your position now on uh, Do on the River? 
<laughs> after <laughs> the Scott Blumstein yeah. is, uh, <laughs> you know. Two people. Yeah, uh, I, okay. First of all, okay, it's entertainment. <laughs> 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 what I was saying, I used to say a tray. Also, a deuce. You know, once in a while I'd say a deuce on the river changes nothing. A tray on the river, tra tree on the river changes nothing. Even on the turn, I would say that. Right. And generally, again, it's it's. I, I love saying it. And in, in No Limit Hold'em, and this holds more for it holds for No Limit Hold'em. It doesn't hold for the other game like Omaha Eight and those. Deuce is a very important card in split pot games. But in generally in No Limit Hold'em, because of what people are going to be holding, you know. A, a, a deuce or a three is not going to be as important as the other cards. So that's why I start to say that. I go, why are we even bothering with if they put a deuce on the river wraps to stop dealing the cards? It ain't going to change anything. <laughs> and, you know, generally it doesn't change anything. So the one time in like 77 years at the main event heads up, it gives us a main event heads up winner. Everybody, you know, stops me in the street. Hey, what do you think now? <laughs> I said, the only thing you got right there is you idiot. I stick with the deuce doesn't change anything on the river because 99 times out of 100, it doesn't change anything on the river. By the way, my dog is now staring at me because I'm yelling. Because <laughs> there's nobody in the house and she thinks I'm either yelling at myself so, woo, 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 or I'm yelling at her and she's not happy about that. Uh... Do we have any more, <laughs> any more questions? Great. We have like uh, one or two, right? Uh, the Ace Queen, you already talked about it. Yeah. Um, I don't think we have... Uh, no, no, I think we, we gathered uh, the best ones. So uh, we're actually before uh, wrapping up. So um, guys, any, any comment, any last minutes to hang out with this cool dude who accepted our invitation? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm just waiting for my uh, lucky starburst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just wanted to say, like, we we're gonna wrap it up. We're gonna say the the uh, the, the ending. Yeah. After after yeah. we after we finish the conversation, first we're gonna all, do it in Hebrew. Yeah. First of all, uh, uh, thank you very much. Like, this means. Check uh, it. Check it. I don't want to hear. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> this this means a lot to us. Like, when we when we announced that. Our guest is going to be Norman fucking Chad. Uh, everyone, like... <laughs> They didn't believe us. Yeah. People thought we were trolling them. Uh, th yeah, there was one comment on fa Facebook. Is this April 1st? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that... Uh, well, the, the similarity there, because, again, not am I antisocial. When I was particularly younger, I didn't even like going to family functions. So... Their surprise was the same. I literally lied a couple of years when I was having bad years, uh... Personally, where I told my parents, I told my family I was out of town for like Thanksgiving, which is a big family dinner. Like nobody travels during Thanksgiving, but I said I had a business thing to go do. And then I just stayed by myself. So like your, 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 whoever you were talking to and thought you were trolling them or just lying. If I showed up for a family dinner, people were, we didn't, we, how do we get you to come to a family dinner? <laughs> You're never coming to a family dinner. So it was a surprise to them. So I understand why you people also think it was a surprise I had show up here. And I do regret and I apologize to my family years later. telling them that I didn't come to Thanksgiving in 1981 or 1982 because I was in a bad place and I lied to you about having to uh, go to an American Heart Association fundraiser in Amarillo, Texas. So uh, I've gotten better about that. And I, you know, actually, the, the World Series has made me better about that because, like I told you, I wasn't a people person, but now I go out into that room and I talk to everybody, which was very hard for me at first. But so, yeah, it is a surprise that I show up to deal with these three shoe clerks and crumb bums <laughs> sitting here speaking broken <laughs> only Elkanah's English don't is broken put them on, don't like they speak good English <laughs> I English minus I don't <laughs> me no English yeah, yeah me no English um, so the I wanna dog house yeah so I wanna repeat what Elkanah said in a better English and said uh, thank you very much for joining this uh, our podcast it was a pleasure having you and uh, it was probably will be the most uh, viewed, uh, listened episode we're, gonna, we're ever going to be. We, all, we used to have only like local poker celebrities. And Which are celebrities. Like yeah, no, they're celebrities. Great, great comment, great guest, great... Yeah, uh, but they don't have 70,000 followers on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like, to, I'd like to tell you that it has been a pleasure to deal with you, but you're reminding me that there's an old thing about one person's comedy is another person's tragedy. <laughs> Uh, one person's highlight can be another person's <laughs> low light. So yes, this has, this has been a highlight for you all. But if I knew my career were going to end up where I'm sitting here talking to you three <laughs> in 2021, 
uh, I just know that I did something wrong. Uh, Thank you. Blame it on COVID, Norman. Thank you for that. If COVID didn't come, I would not have to do this. But I will accept my fate and just try to make, uh, you know, when they say when, you, when you're given lemons, make lemonade. I'll just try to, make, uh, try to make the best of it. And the rest of my day, I'll try to just smile. <laughs> that was awesome. That's your closing statement? Like, that, that's how you, you're dealing with us? I, I, can, I can totally accept that. Yeah. <laughs> best insult I ever got. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> so um, thank you very much. And uh, stay safe and stay healthy. And uh, I hope that uh, we all be able to see you on Vegas someday when the World Series of Poker uh, will be live again. And I uh, hope... No, that'll be good. Yeah. No, I hope you see me. I hope you see me on ESPN. But if you happen to be in Las Vegas, uh, particularly you, Eyal, I know who's looking for a star first. <laughs> uh, but if you happen to be in Las Vegas... And you see me on the, on the strip. Uh, if you can, just cross to the other side of the street. Uh, that would be the safest thing to do. That would, make me, that would make me very, very happy. I keep that in mind. Yeah. Norman Chad, thank you very much, man. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. Wow, that's a word. Right? It was a wonderful אני הרבה פעמים אומר את זה כשאנחנו מביאים אורחים מפורסמים, ואני כל הזמן אומר, זה יהיה הפרק הכי טוב שלנו, זה יהיה הפרק שהכי הזינו לו. אף אחד לא יוכל לנצח את נורמן זה בליגה אחרת. כן, אף אחד לא יוכל לנצח אותו. אתה צריך תחרות מחדש, סקרים בפייסבוק. זה לא יהיה פרק כלפי גבי ליפשיץ, שכאילו... בטוח שגם גבי, אין לו בעיה להפסיד לנורמן צ'אט בהדזאפ על מי מפורסם ומגניב יותר. סבבה, אז שוב נודה. אור המדהים שאירח אותנו פה באולפנים שלו, פרוקאסט, פודקאסטים בגבוה. ותודה לראנר ראנר, הספונסרים שלנו, שאפשרו גם את הפרק הזה. תודה, פלק. תודה לכם. חלום ילדות. כן, הייתם צריכים להיות בקבוצת וואטסאפ שלנו, כשפלק גילה שאנחנו מקליטים את הפרק, כי איכשהו יצא שלא עדכנו אותו, הוא פתאום כזה, מה, נורמן שד מגיע? כאילו, באיזה יום? רגע, 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 מתי ואיפה? שולם בצ'יפ. בדיוק. הוא היה בא לפה אם היה צריך, ברגל, אם היה צריך, היית מגיע לפה. בטח. אלקנה, תודה. תודה גם שחלקת איתי את השיחה הזו, וגם שסיפקת לו הרבה חומר בידורי. כן, סיפרתי את זה. תראה, הוא גם מתבלבל גם בעברית. בדיוק, אפילו בעברית הוא לא מצליח. אני של שוקט, אני כאילו, אני באוויר עכשיו. בדיוק, היה תענוג. אז אנחנו נאחל לכולם רק בריאות ותרוצו טוב גם בשולחנות, ובעיקר בחיים, ובעיקר אם אתם פוגשים את נורמן פאקינג צ'ט. כן, אני לא חושב שאפשר, מפה אפשר רק לרדת. אז אל תשכחו, אס בגובה זה פודקאסט, לא יודעת לשלם איתה. יאללה ביי. יאללה ביי. ביי ביי. אס בגובה, אס בגובה, לא יד לשלם איתה, זה פודקאסט.